0: The Lord be with you. The reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Lord, Lord. The two, two disciples recounted what had taken place on the way and how Jesus was made known to them in the breaking of bread. While they were still speaking about this, he stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. But they were startled and terrified, and they thought they were seeing the ghosts. Then he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do questions arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. And And as he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they were still incredulous for joy and were amazed, he asked them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of baked fish. He took it and ate it in front of them. He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The Gospel of the Lord Lord. Saint John, the Evangelist, or John, the uh, Beloved Disciple. Right. He's one who's an interesting, interesting one among the 12. He's the youngest of the crew, but he was the oldest one in his earthly life in his last days. He's the only one of the 11, of the 11 faithful uh, who were there after the resurrection who was not martyred for the faith. But it's not because they didn't try. They tossed him in a vat of boiling oil, and they figured that would be enough. But it was a miracle that preserved him. So it was a, he was a, a martyr uh, in spirit, essentially, uh, but not in fact. When one reads St. John's writings, which encompass the book of Revelation, the, the Gospel of John, and the three letters of John in the New Testament, one encounters a, a theologically rich uh, writer One can look at the the first chapter of St. John's Gospel, the prologue, uh, that's read at the end of each of the the Latin masses, uh, and it's full of just this rich and poetic language. One doesn't have to to read very far in the book of Revelation to find all sorts of symbolism that that has layers and layers and layers uh, before one can actually understand uh, very often the full message of what's being conveyed. It's for this reason that St. John, among the four evangelists, is depicted, as we see on the side of the sanctuary, often as the eagle, right? The, the four different types uh, of, of animals or individuals, uh, creatures. Um, John is often depicted as the eagle because he's the one who theologically in his writings is soaring up into the heavens. A very highly theological writer, whereas the others are more earthly While we can say all of this as St. John and his rich theology and all of these things. In his letter that he's writing today, the first letter that we read in our second reading, he is very, very clear, and he needs to be. He's writing to the community with a simple message. I'm writing to you so that you may not sin, period. He wants to be clear on this point. An easy temptation for us sometimes is to become comfortable with our sin, content with our sin, that we can easily, again, kind of uh, chalk it up to it's our personality, or this is just what I do, or this is how I am, or I can't really change that. You can't expect that of me in so many words. Sometimes we can admit our sin, but then simply kind of uh, essentially we try to absolve ourselves of it, as oftentimes Uh, Young children think that a priest can look in the mirror and say the words and make the sign of the cross and absolve himself of his own sins, as nice as that would be. But the reality is that we cannot absolve ourselves of our sins. We cannot simply let ourselves off the hook, if you will, in regards to the reality of what it is that we do that is contrary to the will of Christ. We must strive to fight against our sins to rebel against them, to fight as strong as we can, indeed, to strive to be freed from sin, not simply to accept it and to embrace it, but to resist. So this is James John's starting point. I'm writing to you so that you may not sin. But, he continues, if you do sin, we have that advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He encourages us first not to sin, but in our weakness, if we do, because very often we will, he encourages his hearers and us, his readers, not to be discouraged by this fact. Not simply to allow ourselves to say, well, he said not to sin and now I've sinned and so I I, I don't have a place. I don't have a place at the table. I'm I'm, I'm not part of the club. I'm not part of the family anymore. I've messed up. I, I, I did the thing that I wasn't supposed to do and I just have to go now. It would be easy for us. Simply to dismiss ourselves as we might dismiss our sins. Secondly, whenever we fall into our sin, it's easy to dismiss ourselves. But here too, St. John is reminding us this is not the case. We must not dismiss ourselves from Christ or from his church or from his grace and his mercy. Rather, to turn to him in our need, to seek out our advocate. Advocate. The Greek word is paraclete, which we often describe the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. But indeed, our blessed Lord in the scriptures, he says he will send us another advocate, the Holy Spirit. Jesus is our advocate first and foremost. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes in the second. As our Lord ascends into heaven, the Holy Spirit descends to remain with us. So indeed, they are both advocates, but it is Christ who stands as advocate at the right hand of the Father the great high priest, interceding for us. He is our defender, our companion, our advisor, the one to whom we look to help us to get out of the situations in which we find ourselves with grace. Much as many will remember the popular TV show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire?, of how one had uh, phone lines and one could pull the audience around them to be able to see what is the correct answer here, so much the same, even more with Christ. Except rather than calling someone who may or may not know the answer, or pulling an audience that may be entirely clueless on a question, Christ always knows. There is certainty in Christ, there is a surety. When we turn to our blessed Lord, that he knows exactly what it is that we ought to do. And if we are willing, it will bring us salvation by his grace. Christ, in a sense, or St. John, tells us that we can trust our Lord as an advocate, as a defender, and as as an advisor. And he states Christ's credentials, that he is indeed the righteous one, but he is the righteous one who has come already and died in our place. He is the one who has already taken upon himself the sin of the world and expiated our sin, expiated it, canceled out to make it null and void, no longer necessary. He has expiated our sin, but also the sin of all the world. A reminder to us that there is not a single soul throughout the entirety of history for whom Christ was not offering himself on the cross if they are willing to receive him. None of us are exempt from the openness of the mercy of God. Christ comes to cancel out our sins. And it's on this account that we know that we can trust him. He has already been there for us. He has already paid the ultimate price. He has already done everything far more than we could have asked. He is indeed the one who has come to lay down his life for us. And so we can trust in him, absolutely. We then turn to our blessed Lord and we seek out his help. And this is what St. John continues. He says, this is the, the, the fact of, of, our, of our closeness to him. We will know that we are close to him if we keep his commandments. This is simply to say that we will know that we are close to God because our Lord will be speaking to us and we'll be cooperating with his grace. We will have his life in us, and we will be changing and converting. It doesn't mean we become perfect right off the bat, as nice and easy as that would be. But there is a steady and continuous conversion of our hearts if we are listening to him. If we are listening to the advocate of our souls, if we are allowing him to come to our defense in the midst of our difficulties and trials and temptations, if we allow him to be our advocate, we will necessarily begin more and more to keep his commandments. It will be the necessary response of his grace working in our souls. So this is why St. John can say these things. To know that we are close to him is to keep his commandments. The fact of one is the proof of the other. And so it's for us to continue to look at our own lives and to see where is it that I continue to need the Lord's grace? Where is it that I continue to seek after him as an advocate? Where is it that I need today to listen for his voice, as a defender, as a consoler, as an advisor, as a trusted friend? Indeed, to know the closeness of Jesus is a tremendous grace for us. But sometimes one might admit, uh, at least for myself, a sort of frustration of how nice it would be to be able to, to see our Lord as the apostles saw him and to hear his voice as the apostles heard it. How blessed that would be. But to know that indeed in the quiet of our heart, in the quiet of all of our hearts in prayer, our Lord can speak. It may not be an audible voice, but his grace will move us. It is our blessed Lord's closeness to us that is the source of all of our consolation, and it is the source of our peace. Just as Christ came into the room in the midst of the disciples and made them peace, so also he does the same for us because he walks with us. Just as he walked with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, as we pick up in the gospel, that their hearts were burning within them for love of him. So also as our Lord walks on our own way with us, Our hearts too can burn with love, but they can also be overwhelmed with his peace. That peace which Christ comes to give his disciples, he comes to give us today as well.